Hi, this is listener Lisa from San Francisco, California, and you're listening to Better Place Project with Steve Norris. Make the world a better place. Make the world. Okay, before we get started, we wanted to give you all an update on an episode we did back on March 2nd with the hero of the movie Hotel Rwanda from the 90s that won a few Academy Awards. We had Paul Recessa Beguina's two daughters, actually adopted daughters, on the show talk about the entire story that he has been kidnapped for essentially speaking out against the Rwandan government for just atrocious human rights violations that the president has done. And he was kidnapped, put on a plane, sent back to Rwanda, and he's been undergoing a sham trial since last, uh, well, they kidnapped him last September, and the trial's been going on the last few months. So a couple quick updates. Last month, for one, a foreign diplomat was caught spying on a college university classroom in San Antonio, Texas, which is where Paul Recesbegina and his wife have been living for quite a few years. And this diplomat logged into a Zoom call with the university and was spying on them. They booted him off the call. He logged back in with just his initials. The IT department tracked it down to be in the same guy from the same IP address. And again, it's a actually it's an official from the Rwandan embassy that logged into the Zoom call and was spying on the entire classroom until he was caught. So just ridiculous things like this where we have a foreign diplomat spying on a college university classroom. So As the professor said, if that's not grounds for expelling this diplomat from the United States, I don't know what is. Um, In a completely separate development, just last week, two government witnesses against Paul, Herman Nesanjamana and Mark Nizayamanana, both gave testimony that Paul was not in any way in command or control of the FLN forces. The FLN forces have been accused of some crimes where a few people were killed. In their testimony, they stated that the political and military sides of the MRCD coalition were totally separated and nothing to do with each other. In addition, MRCD leaders are on record on multiple occasions stating that they had no knowledge of any alleged FLN activities until after the occurred. In his role as an officer of the MRCD, Paul had no authority at all over any other party in the coalition, including the FLN and its activities. So this was huge. These were actually government witnesses that they thought were going to come up and talk about uh, Paul's involvement in these crimes. And they actually came forward and gave testimony that he was in no way involved. So the problem is, in a sham trial, will this make any difference whatsoever? The point is, we all need to still be fighting out against human rights violations. And to learn more about this, A, you can go back and listen to our episode if you haven't heard it on March 2nd. And you can also go to hrrfoundation.com and, uh, to learn more and keep up to date. Sign the petition to help free him. There's a petition out that's being sent or may have been sent to President Biden already. But uh, go to hrrfoundation.com to learn more. The story just does not end, Aaron. Mm-hmm. It's absurd to me that he's been in jail all this time just for simply speaking out against his government. I mean, here's a guy that saved 1,200 people during a genocide. 
We gave him the Medal of Freedom, George Bush did, at the White House uh, all those years ago. This is a guy that fought for freedom. We can't abandon him now, and we need to fight for his freedom. So please help out where you can, everybody. So thanks for your patience and bearing with us with that update. But for now, let's get to today's episode. Who do we have, Aaron? Di Manuel is a super dad dating his wife with a lead by example way of living and a contagious personality who is on a mission to positively impact 1 million role models around the globe to lead a functionally fit life through education, encouragement, and community. He is an award-winning digital thought leader, author, distinguished Toastmaster, TEDx speaker, former partner and chief operating officer of a multi-million dollar retail company, and a sought-after lifestyle mentor and executive performance coach. Nuggets of wisdom and inspiration to take action to be your best self are guaranteed when you connect with Dai. Change is such a, I think, an important topic right now because many of our lives have been turned upside down over the last year and a half. Our patterns, our habits, our daily lives have changed and and some of us, uh, and maybe even having nothing to do with the pandemic, are going through things in our lives that we're in a rut and we want to get out of them. And I think how to be a champion of change is a a really good topic, and Di just had some great insight telling his story of what he's done to make major changes in his life and set that into action. So I feel like he really armed us with some some good tools, don't you think, Aaron? Oh, yeah. That's one of my biggest challenges, I think, is adapting to change. It always stresses me out. Even little things here and there, it just... I, I don't know. I tend to panic. I tend to worry. and But I love his perspective on change and how change can be a good thing. It helps us grow. It helps us uh, adapt to new situations. And I thought that conversation was really important. Yeah, we're, we're all afraid of it. We don't mm-hmm. know why. We get in a comfort zone and it's the fear of the unknown. And like he says in this talk, eventually we all get to the point where it's it's more scary to stay in our life the way it is now than it is to go someplace else and go for it. (laughs) Exactly. Really powerful stuff and a fun conversation. So let's Mm -hmm. get right to it. Mr. Di Manuel. Welcome to the show, Di. Great to be here. Stoked. Absolutely stoked. So stoked to have you as well. We've really been looking forward to to having you on. Your story is just incredible. And so many of us have gone through a difficult, horrendous, up and down year with, with COVID. And the thought of talking about how to be a champion of change really intrigued us. And I thought we could start with, I understand that there was a big change or you felt that there was big need for a change in your life at one point. Can you tell us about that? Sure. Well, first of all, I mean, I just got to say, I'm so inspired by you two. I, you know, father-daughter combo. I, I just, huh. you know, being someone that has two daughters, uh, I, I have to say, this is so <laughs> cool. 
I, just so Thank cool. Thank you. I, awesome. Thanks so much. And yes. we look forward to hearing I, your I upcoming know. podcast someday with one of your daughters. I know. I, we I, talked, I, we I talked right before we, uh, <laughs> before we started the show, and uh, Di's uh, intrigued, and he, so uh, I can't wait to hear yes. uh, one of your podcasts someday. All right. Well, uh, trust me, it, it's going to happen, and especially my daughter, the way she is, <laughs> it will happen. It, it's, <laughs> she's like tunnel vision. But uh, um, Very cool. I, I, I got to say, you, you know, change is one of those interesting things. I most of us, you know, and I, and I say this and I should actually just say, <laughs> I <laughs> found myself very change averse in a lot of areas of my life. And just, you know, I, I I'm just not liking change. I don't want to welcome change in my life. I like things to stay a certain way and you get really comfortable with living life a certain way with certain expectations. And just, you know, we just get into that sort of pattern in life. Yep. And as humans, we're afraid of it. It's, we are. it's uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah, it really is. And, you know, with the exception, and, and I think the best way to sort of sum this up when I, you know, lead into the the, the story and sort of the backstory of, of why I feel the way I do, it, it's, I think a lot of us get to a point in life, at some point, and it, get, it happens, I, I have yet to meet someone that hasn't had a similar experience, but you get to a point where we become more afraid of the idea of staying as we are, than we are of the idea of changing, you know, gotcha. and, and when I think about it when I've had those most significant shifts in my life and it, and it happens fast, right? Like it's so fast when you decide to make a change, like really make a change it, that choice happens. And it, like, we usually follow it up with immediate action and it's often driven similarly. Like we, we can be very afraid of something to run away or we can say, you know, and I am afraid of this, but this means a lot to me. So I'm going to challenge it and I'm going to charge at it. Right. And I mm -hmm. think, that is kind of a, a healthier way to look at change at times. Cause I think we can be very proactive in the change in our life, you know, and mm -hmm. to give you a little backstory here, you know, I, I was morbidly obese as a teenager for one thing, you know, up to the age of 14, I was a big boy, like really big, you know, like not so much wow. tall, but outward, you know, like, and, and it didn't happen by accident, it, you know, between the ages of nine to 14, I, I had a lifestyle that wasn't very healthy. You know, I played a lot of video games, watched a lot of movies, eat a lot of food that was, uh, well, let's just say it was very poor in nutrition value, but really high in calories, you know? So sure. that compounded over a period of five years and uh, I became larger and larger and also more depressed and more depressed, more withdrawn. And you know, a lot of the cliches that exist out there and, and stereotypes associated with people in that state of unhealth, they're very true, you know? And I can only say it cause yeah. <laughs> I'm there and I, I spent a good chunk of my life in that period. And, and I remember what it was like. It's, it's not easy, you know? And uh, when we lose that foundation of health, life becomes shaky, you know? Like it, it's, sure. and so I learned though at, at age 15, when I got to a point where I felt like I was on my rock bottom, you know, my limited scope of life, you know, limited scope of being on this planet. <laughs> but I'll sure. tell you, a third of my life was spent pretty unhappy, you know? Right. And I got to a point where I just, I, I was just really depressed where they were withdrawn. And, and, and I, I don't, I'm not saying this to, to, I want people to understand my motivation to share this is not to be like, Whoa, wow, cool story. But just, we're all dealing with this. You, you talked a bit about the mental health aspect and just what we've been experiencing over this last year and a bit, you know, like we're all challenged on the mental health side of things. Like, it's just, it's not a year that any of us right. planned for. And mm -hmm. when we look at some of our situations and we look at our actions that either we're taking or we're not taking, it often influences how we think about ourselves, 
You know, it influences some of our little actions that we do. Many of them are subconscious. We don't even realize we're doing it. And yet it's adding to that feeling that we have, that, that discomfort, if you will, that, that unhappiness. And, uh, you know, at age 15, I just got to a point where I was thinking a lot about wouldn't life be easier if I just wasn't here? And it's a scary place to get to, you know, at 15, I don't like, to be honest, like that, that idea actually scared a lot, scared me a lot. Like I, I, because I had parents that loved me, they cared for my brother and I, and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, we had a really great upbringing. There's no negatives here. It's not like we we had any real trauma. Uh, And yet, emotionally and psychologically, and especially physically, I was really in an unhealthy space. And my parents were sort of at a loss. They didn't know really what to do. And as much as they wanted to support me, and I don't know, Aaron, you may relate to this, you know, like parents yeah. are great, right? We're awesome, right? Right, Steve? We're awesome. And, <laughs> sure, <laughs> the best, baby. <laughs> well, we have the best of intentions at time when we want to support our children. And, and I know my parents loved me and wanted to help me. Yet, I wasn't willing to accept that. And every time that they would try to offer support or, or just even emotional support or psychological support, I, I took it as more of an attack. You know, I, I felt like you're telling me I'm not good enough as I am. You're saying I'm, I'm unhealthy. I'm, I'm fat. I'm, I'm not good enough. Like that is what I heard, even though they'd be coming from a place sure. of love. And, right. and so it was a really challenging time. And, and, it got to a point where I was just like, you know what? I'm more afraid that the next five years aren't going to be better than it is right now. <laughs> you know, like it's that real stark realization that, okay, yeah, life feels really hard right now. There's a lot of things that I feel like I'd like to change. And if I keep doing what I'm doing, I really know deep down that five years from now, it ain't going to be better than it is right now. Mm-hmm. So what can I do? And, and that was sort of the place I had to get to and then be willing to just say, okay, well, enough's enough. You know, I broke down uncontrollable sobbing in the bathroom at my dad's place. My parents had separated and see my dad every other weekend and I'm in the bathroom and it's like ugly cry. You, you know, I, I don't know if you guys remember what it's like to experience. I remember when my daughters were born both times, ugly crying. <laughs> that was, but in a much yeah. in the happy place, right? Uh, this was not a happy time, ugly cry, you know? And, and, uh, I remember getting to this point and it was just the weirdest of things. And I'm, I'm using this as a story to sort of lead into the other time. Cause I've, this is repeated a couple of times now in my life, not, not with the obesity, but with other health issues and other mental challenges that I've faced. And, and here I was like, Oh, geez, like this sucks. I am not happy. I am not fulfilled. And to be quite frank, I'm, I'm very scared. I'm afraid. And, and, and I got to this place and, you know, it's really interesting, right? Like here I am looking at myself in the mirror at age 15 and, and, and I'm like everything. I'm like naked, just got out of the shower and I'm like locking my eyes and doing the scan down, you know, stop at my chest, stop at my belly, come back up and just, I might as well be tallying off again. You know, I, I just uncontrollable tears and, and, and something clicked. It was like, all of a sudden I was like, okay, die that idea of just trying to end life and not be here. Like, that is silly. Don't do that. That's gosh. I mean, and, and I realized that I like living. I didn't want that, but I didn't want to be as I was anymore. And so I didn't know how to do anything. I didn't know what I'd do. I just knew that I couldn't keep doing what I was doing. I came out of that bathroom and I found my dad and I was like, dad, and of course I got dressed and clothed and found my dad and he must've saw something in me. 
because I came with this conviction that, you know what? I don't want to be like this anymore, dad. I, I, I want to like who I am. I want to like mm-hmm. my health. I want to feel good. I, I don't want to feel this way anymore. And, and I want to make some changes. Like, could, and in my mind, I was like, I like to cycle when I was younger. Maybe if I got a bike. And so I came out and asked him, I said, dad, hey, I, I think I want to start biking. Can we get me a bike? And, and he was like, yeah, <laughs> you know, like instantly. And, and, and I have to commend him and my mother because they, they, they were so supportive because all of a sudden they saw there was something in me that was motivated to make some changes right then and there. And so mm-hmm. they allowed for that. They created the space yeah. for me to do that. And, and so we got me a mountain bike. I went to the library, got books that on nutrition and on fitness and started to educate myself on what are some of the things I can be doing. My, my kids still laugh, you know, they're like, oh, dad, why don't you just Google it? And I'm like, because I'm older than Google, you know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Steve, you know what I'm talking I'm about. Right right you, I'm right so, there with you, I'm right there with you. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's funny, uh, just just perspectives, right? And uh, and so that's what started a 20-month journey of, of embracing change. Because every day something was changing. And trust me, it wasn't fun. Like, it was hard. I remember the first time going out for that mountain bike ride. I, I, I remember my dad lending me his old Sony Walkman. Remember the old yellow brick? This is before course, your time, yeah. Aaron. You probably don't remember this, but these old <laughs> and, the little foam headphones that sat on top yes, of your ear. Yes, yeah. and and yeah. but this my dad had the really nice one, so it, it would flip the tape automatically. So you know, ooh, like ooh, fancy, yes. Fancy. And so here was the deal. I'd put on one side, I had tragically hip and the other side I had Allison Chain. So I knew that I'd just keep cycling until it flipped over. And when it flipped, I knew it was time to ride home. Wow. And so wow. by the way, Aaron, he's talking about mm-hmm. tape. It's a yes. tape that would go through a little device <laughs> and play the music and you would have to flip to the other side. So I see. Thanks for the clarification. <laughs> yeah, a little generation yeah. generational yeah. differences. We need to have these little pauses die. Okay. So go ahead. I'm it's sorry. Okay. No, this is good though. This is good. Yeah. Give it context, especially for all the millennials exactly. listening. We're talking about antiques here. So Yeah, <laughs> seriously. And uh, so it was twenty months of just trusting a process. And not being so obsessed over a result. So let me repeat myself there. Like, because I knew I wanted to get healthy. In my mind, I originally thought, well, I was looking at all my friends that were into sports, that were active, that were seemed to have everything together, you know? And I was like, I want that. Hmm. And then I realized as I started into it, I was like, I'm not like that. I'm very different. I, I can't expect that. The things I'm doing to make me end up like them. Like I, I, I can't be them. I got to be me. And, but I just want to be healthy. I want to feel better about me. And so it was just trusting the process. So a little bit every day I'd get out moving my body with a bit of purpose, right? Listening a little mm-hmm. bit of a sweat and, and I'd repeat that. And I'd also change how I was nourishing myself. And I started to educate myself on certain aspects of healthy living. And, you know, it was just a gradual little bit every day. But at the end of 20 months, it was just like, holy smokes. I just, I remember waking up and it was just, everything was automatic. Like the subconscious took over. It was just like, this is just who I am. This became your habit, yeah. your pattern, your, really you said, who you are, your new identity. You're now a, a fit cyclist. Well, really cool. You know, biker, yeah. I was at the time. And, uh, you know, it, yeah. there's, 
I've, I've sort of switched into other sports and, and interests since then, but I didn't come to sport naturally. And I want everyone to realize that, you know, we don't have to be athletic. I, I think we all are naturally athletic in certain ways, you know, but I think we, we look to others. We look to the Instagrams, we look to the Facebooks, we look to the YouTubes. Right. And it's like, wow, these are really fit people. I can't do that. You know, like it's so interesting how media influences that. I find myself getting trapped in that still today, you know, sure. that, that comparison that like, Oh, well, if I can't do it like that, why should I even bother? Maybe I shouldn't, you know, and just this little voice in the mind. So it sounds like one lesson here is just ignore social media and just start by making a few healthy choices and getting out and enjoying yourself and moving your body. So I like to bring up that as a bit of an origin story to let people know one. Yeah, I'm really big into healthy living, holistic health. And I recognize that physical fitness is a huge conduit, like a direct conduit. If you want to see your health improve, start moving your body like that. That one little thing can start to see some positive shifts. And it doesn't have to be like, I'm not saying go to the gym, get a gym membership, work out an hour a day for five days a week. Like nothing so so yeah. prescriptive. I, I, I'm saying just start moving your body. I look at the people in the blue zones, right? You got these people around the world that live in these five areas around the world and they live mm-hmm. into their hundreds and they're thriving. It's not like, yep. I remember my grandma at 96, right? Like in a long-term care facility and, and she just pretty much sat all day long. You know, like mm-hmm. when she wasn't sleeping, she was sitting in that chair and, it was just, you know, very loved, but it, it was a very, I wasn't thinking, wow, I want to be just like grandma, you know, like I, I'm just being honest here, you know, especially as a teenager at the time, I'm like, no, <laughs> I want to be sure. out there loving life. And, and so I, I, my perception was definitely shifted when I saw some of this research by Dan Butner in the blue zones, you know, and people look it up. He's got a great TED talk that you don't have to read his book. So fascinating. Yeah, yeah. My dad and I are just blown away by that. Oh. Yeah, it's really, really cool stuff. And, and, and like you said, it's, it's not like they're out you know, running marathons or no. they get out and they garden. They get out and they walk to the market. They Sure, they eat a little red meat, but it's once or twice a week and yes. it's a small portion. They, they'll eat breads, but it's whole grain. They'll eat cheeses, but it's grass-fed cheese. You know? So yeah, big difference. And, but more as important as anything, like you said, the fitness element, yes. moving your body. I tell people even take the stairs and tell Aaron and I, uh, and her brothers, we flew to Arkansas for a wedding this last weekend. Cool. And she will tell you we're in the airport. Every time we come into an escalator, boom, I'm, I'm running up those stairs. So, uh, <laughs> right alongside it, it's just little habits. I like so to do it. Good. It's fun. I act like a goofy, you know, crazy guy running up the stairs with my luggage, but, but, uh, it gets my heart rate up yeah. before I go sit on a plane for four hours. So little things, like you said, I love that. Like Steve, that's awesome. Like those are the little wins, right? Those little shifts in sure. lifestyle and perspective, perspective, right? Like you're, you're consciously saying, this is important to me. And mm-hmm. because of that, you prioritize some of your choices, your decisions in the day. And, and it's so subtle, right? Like, and, and as much as they might be a focused or, or, or you know, we're very aware that we're making that choice. I, I find it gets to a point where we just don't even ask the question anymore. We just do. And mm-hmm. That's that magical place. I sort of think I, I equate it to like the holy grail of what we're all, I think, aspiring to is to get to a place where we just just do. We just live that better life, if you will. Because now we've recognized the habits that are great for us. We've been consistent enough at doing them that we just do. We're just being who we are. And it's just we're really yeah, embracing the evolution. We're embracing the change. And we feel very much as the, the catalyst for that mm-hmm. change. 
You know, sometimes it comes from an external pressure like myself, like uh, I'll tell you, you know, I, I used to deal with a lot of stress and anxiety and I, I still manage that. And, mm-hmm. but I, I learned in my twenties in my early thirties that alcohol was a great way to sort of subdue some of that. Mm-hmm. And I still had a lot of negative self-image issues that I sort of carried with me as much as I started getting healthy and fit. And, you know, the perception that people had of me was, wow, you're a really fit dude. Wow. You know, like stroking the ego. And, and I found that I was so superficial. I was all about the exterior. I hadn't really done any internal work. I really didn't do any of the mindset work really truthfully, like embrace that. Again, I was 15 when I started making these lifestyle changes. And one of my biggest motivations was, I just want a girlfriend, you know, like I'm just being honest, you know, that was it. That was. Don't we all die or didn't we all, (laughs) I should say. at 15. Didn't we all. (laughs) But it was, you know, that was what I wanted. I wanted someone to want me. And that was a big motivation for me. And, and yet, I was so focused thinking that, well, if I got to look good, I got to be in a certain shape, I've got to have a certain uh, appearance and a certain way of being, you know, so like, it was just really ego driven, a lot of my decisions. And the problem was this created a lot of more stress and anxiety for me as I got into my 20s, and then into my early 30s, especially as I was building my company at the time. And just, you know, everything was ego, ego, ego. I was more concerned about what people Mm -hmm. perceived of me than what I perceived of myself. So is this kind of the desire as you're talking about to, you had the physical aspect of it taken care of, you were physically fit, your body was in shape, but you wanted to grow mentally. Is that kind of what started you on your journey? I understand you did a, correct me if I'm not pronouncing this right, a Vipassana? Vipassana? Yeah, good, Vipassana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I guess it depends on how you say it. I, I, again, I got a Canadian accent. You want to talk a boot? Uh, but... Yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> tell us, tell us about that. 10 days, oh, right? 10 of meditation. Days. So as you can imagine, you know, like I, I'm a big fan of change. Yeah. Cause I, I think, you know, change is happening whether we like it or not. You know, mm-hmm. Buddha talked about it about 2,600 years ago. You know, he's like, there's only one guarantee in life and that's that nothing stays as it is, Absolutely. you know? And when you start to really accept that, you know, really accept that. Yeah. Well, everything's changing. Everything's in flux at all times. And, you start to look at change a little bit differently, right? That's like, oh, going to happen whether I like it or not. So might as well learn how to like it or at least mm-hmm. be an active participant in it rather than feel like I'm a victim of change, feel like I can actually be a champion of change. Sure. And, and I realized that the mental side of, of I hadn't spent any time really on that. I, I was very ego driven. I was always concerned about what other people thought about me and that would influence how I would act. And yet I would get so stressed out and anxious and overwhelmed that I just had to, to numb myself from some of that overwhelm that I was constantly feeling. And it was self-induced. I'll, I'll be the first to admit mm-hmm. that. And, and my wife asked me a question one day and I, I won't go into all the details. I, I did a recent Ted talk and I talk about this and, uh, mm-hmm. but yes, I saw that. Yeah. Oh, thank you. And, and yeah. so there was a question that my wife asked me, you know, she, she said, you're having coffee while well, stumbling in the kitchen, right? <laughs> it was either. And this was very much that moment we were sitting down having coffee, but the conversation originally started where we were trying to figure out how to part ways. Mm-hmm. You know, because it was not an environment that was healthy to raise my daughters in, which were both under the age of six at the time. And, uh, you know, I I have to be honest, I wouldn't have wanted someone like me at that time to be around my kids. 
I was there, but I wasn't present. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And and I also had some very poor lifestyle habits, uh, especially when it came to alcohol and other substances that I was abusing. And my wife just recognized that it wasn't getting better. As much as I could say all the right things, I wasn't doing after saying, you know, like mm -hmm. I wasn't actually following through. I was a very good salesperson. You know, I could say what I need. she wanted to hear, but then I wouldn't follow it up with any action. Yeah. And uh, it got to a point where she asked me a question, you know, are you being the type of man you'd want your daughters to marry? Oh, the big one. Yeah, wow. Now you as a, a father of a daughter or daughters, sorry, sure. I don't know if you have multiple, but- uh, Daughter and two sons. Oh, two yeah, sons. Yeah, okay, yeah. so you know what I'm saying here. Like it's, it's a, you can imagine this, Aaron. It's a, it's a pretty crazy question to be asked by your partner as it relates to your daughter. And it put everything into perspective really quick for me. I was like, no, I am not being that person. And that's sort of what started this journey I've been on for 11 years now. It's, not like, it's crazy when I think about that, how much time yeah. has come since that one decision to just say no to alcohol and say yes to myself. You know, say yes mm -hmm. to feeling uncomfortable. Yes to all the stress. Yes to the overwhelm. Yes to the anxiety. And saying, you know what? This is not the healthy way to deal with it. I got to learn a new way of dealing with it. And I had no idea what to do. <laughs> I, and, and I won't go into all the details, but maybe we'll have time, but Vipassana meditation and this idea of creating space for us to reflect our attention inward. I'd always heard about it. I had a, a, a lot of pleasure from martial arts growing up, you know, especially when I got into my late teens and into my twenties, I just, I embraced martial arts. I, I loved it. And I, I'm assuming you must be a fan of Sam Harris. I, yeah, I, yes, I am. I, yeah, I was going to say because he's he's a martial art artist guy. He's yeah. a uh, you know an intellectual, and he did. I think he's done like a total of like a you know he's done two three months at a time of silent wow. meditations yeah. uh, going back years ago. But it's uh, yeah, really into it. So I figured you must be a, yes. a fan of his as as am I. Yeah, and I knew that meditation. That there was value in that because it, it's pretty amazing, right? Like it, it, anyone who's listening or watching this and, and hey, think about the last time where you really felt overwhelmed or maybe triggered. And when I say triggered, you know, it's that like real, like that overflowing of negative emotion, negative feelings, you know, almost to the point where it, it paralyzes us or, or it causes us to run away. At least that was my, my habit. I just ghost, you know, I just exit the situation, not say goodbye. It's like, where did I go? It's like, oh, he's gone, you know, like, yeah. and I just, I would retract, you know, I would hide mm -hmm. and, and, and that was how I would cope, you know? Um, sure. And, as soon as you get into that state, if you just stop, close your eyes and just start to be very intentional with how you're breathing instantly, like almost instantly, you notice a shift in how you're feeling. So, you know, there's me knowing that and knowing that experience that when I become overwhelmed, if I just slow down, just to focus on some deep breathing, you know, I realize that, wow, I, I feel a bit better. I don't feel as anxious all of a sudden. And it's like, wow, that was only three minutes of breathing. There must be something to this meditation thing. And, and so I started to explore it more, you know? And um, I don't know, like, listen, I'm, I'm not a, an overly woo-woo guy. And trust me, I got my fill of woo-woo when I lived in Bali for a couple of years. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it is the Mecca of yoga. Like, if you're a yogi and you want to 
experience yoga, you know, you, you go to Bali at some point and, and, you know, I didn't go there for yoga, but I met a lot of friends that love that lifestyle. And, and so you just can't help you get around those people. You just start to adopt a lot of these views. And, and, um, <laughs> you know, this idea, this idea that I don't know what's the best way to put this. I, it, it, it's, I don't know how you two feel about this, but do you ever feel that the universe is talking to you? Like, have you ever had that sure. experience? Yes, okay. definitely. Okay. You, know, I, I don't think I've ever really referred to it that way until the last few years, you know, especially meeting certain people. Mm-hmm. I'm just being exposed to different ways of looking at life, which I, I, I'm very grateful for having that opportunity because it's shifted how I look at things, you know, just enough. And, and so I, I had a business mentor as well as two other people that I had met over a span of about eight weeks. And this is, you know, just over a year and a half, almost two years ago. And all of them had just had this Vipassana experience, 10 day silent retreat. Yeah. And I'm like, the first person I met, I'm like, yeah, good for you. Have fun. <laughs> awesome. I'm not, not doing for me. That. Yeah. No, I, I yeah. was like, and I was like, guys, yeah. like, no way. Then I met the second person. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, yeah, well, that's cool. Awesome. Sounds like a good idea. Well, I'm glad it, it helped you like that. That's awesome. The third time, I just looked at my wife and said, okay, this is the third time I'm having a conversation with someone about a passion. Maybe I'm supposed to do one of these. And she's yeah. like, sure, you should. I go, well, you want to do it together? She goes, nope. <laughs> but, but, but I'll support I'm you. Good, thanks, Di. You go. <laughs> no, and it was like, you know, she's like, uh, no, but we'll support you. We'll create the space for you to go do that. So, you know, we went online. This is the cool thing. Thepassionate.org, the website. It's, ah, okay. it's a nonprofit. Okay. It is driven through nonprofit. Like it doesn't cost any money to go do a 10 day silent That's retreat. Insane. And let wow. me spell it for people. I believe it's V-I-P-A-S-S-A-N-A. You got it. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. Thepassionate.org. And if you just type in Vipassana, you'll, they, they rank at the top mm-hmm. there, but they have the meditation centers all around the world and they're non-secular. So please recognize that whatever religious background or belief system that you follow, it is welcome within a Vipassana center because they're not, uh, there's no dogmas being, uh, you know, preached towards you. It's not about Mm -hmm. adopting any sort of belief systems. It's simply there to teach you a technique to turn that focus inward, to learn how to quiet the mind and and become fully present. Mm -hmm. And Vipassana was just the meditation style that's been attributed to Siddhartha becoming Buddha, you know, the enlightened one. This is what they referred to when he was sitting under that tree, you know, and and, and came to Nirvana, that it was Vipassana was what he was doing. So that's the connection. I'm really intrigued in that. I've never heard of this before. And what was that experience like for you? Was it so difficult at the beginning? (laughs) I think I would be dying. Have you guys ever done a Bikram's class, Bikram's yoga? Okay. Yes, Yes. I have. It was challenging. You know, you go into Bikram's, right? And I know the whole fallout and the Netflix thing. I'm not going to go down that path, but, but you know, like I just remember my very first time going to a Bikram's class and, and they tell you the newbies, right? Your biggest challenge today is to stay in the room, <laughs> you know, like they're like, <laughs> you're here for 90 minutes, just stay in the room. So yeah, I felt like the Vipassana was kind of the same. You, you get in, right? So uh, just to sort of paint a picture for people, um, they picked us up in Bangkok um, and at this temple in, in Bangkok, we get picked up there and then we drive about three, almost three hours Northeast of Bangkok. 
and uh, beautiful. And we're out in the middle of this jungle and there's this beautiful meditation center, big golden, like uh, statue out front and just beautiful. I guess like, wow, that's so a little cool. piece of paradise here, you know? And, mm-hmm. and uh, so we get off the bus and uh, this is a, just a beautiful site. You can imagine this. Uh, have you ever seen the movie Up? You know, like the, the old yes. couple and up, you know, like the, the, the oh, old yeah, married yeah, couple. Yeah. Well, sure. similarly, there was this old married couple and they must do Vipassana for the regular. It felt like it was kind of a, a ritual of theirs. So they get off the bus. But what happens is they segregate. Men go to one part. Women go to the other part. So I remember seeing them get off the bus. They kissed each other, waved. She went off to her thing. He went to hers. They wouldn't see each other for 11 days. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, so yeah. because they, they have complete segregation. So men and women are separated. And uh, so they take us all into this place. They, they take all of our electronics, any writing utensils, any reading materials. You're basically left with your clothing and some toiletries. And oh my gosh. they orientate you, show you where you're going to be staying. Then you come back, you meet, they play this little video. It's kind of like an orientation video, which I thought was kind of funny. And, uh, and, and then boom code of silence so you're taking this 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 promise to be you know silent and and experience the next 10 days on your own even though you're around people you're not making eye contact there's no physical contact there's no conversation it's basically you're on your own little journey and you have one meal a day it's vegetarian and you're pretty much you get up at 4 30 in the morning you're in the meditation hall by five and you're pretty much there until about nine o'clock at night. Now there's a couple of breaks in between, but that's it. Mm-hmm. You're sitting on a pillow and they take you, wow. they teach you the first three days. They're just teaching you the technique over and over again. You're just practicing on this idea of refining your focus and your breath and just bringing your attention to right now. If you can make it past the first three days, you're doing pretty good. Okay. <laughs> like, because this is what's super interesting. I'm there. There's 50 guys. Aaron will tell you. I don't know that I could make 10 minutes. I don't think she's ever gone <laughs> right. 10 minutes of her life without her dad talking. Exactly. Uh, I, I'm a people person. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a talker. So it's hard for me to hear you even t- tell this story without me jumping in and wanting to blab my mouth. So, so I don't know how you did it, Ty. Uh, I am not that guy either. Just in uh, like but full I'm disclosure here. My, my meditation is normally five minutes here, five minutes there, you know, maybe right. a 15 minute session. Like that is the amount that I was always comfortable with yeah. because I am someone that prefers walking meditation. I need to move yeah, and I like walking in nature by myself, just taking in the sounds like this. That to me is way more nur- nurturing, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. and um, restorative. You can't help but notice that I'm, I'm one of those guys. Like I I'm, I'm a big white dude, right? Like there's no, I'm six foot one. I'm over 200 pounds. Like, I, I was easily like the, one of the bigger dudes there. So I just felt like I'm going to sit in the back. So I, I'm sitting in the back of the room on the furthest back row of uh, the pillows. And I, you get it uh, set up in your place and you're basically, that's your place for the next 10 days. And so there I am. And, but the cool thing is I can see the back of 39 other guys' heads, you know, sitting on their pillows. And so I, I get this, at least this awareness of who's here. Day two five empty pillows, <laughs> you know, like five or really? there, there's five guys gone. Like, I don't know where they went, but so you get to move up a row now. Well, so. you could, I just stayed in my spot. Right. Yeah, and, yeah. but by day four, 15, I don't know if it was 15, but it was close to that. There was over a dozen empty pillows now um, because it is challenging. A lot of oh, people sign of up with the best of intentions, but it's hard. 
Okay. So I know I'm not doing a great job selling it, but it's it's super challenging. Sign up to be tortured (laughs) in Bangkok. Who would think that this is so challenging, but you know, it is, it's really hard. And and what happens is, and what I experienced is, and I've been told now after the fact that, you know, talking to people that have had similar experiences is your body is like, hello, don't do this. You know, like, like I started, even though I'm not moving my body and I'm just sitting in a comfortable position, just breathing, your body starts to rebel. My body was like, I had aches and pains showing up in places where I've got no aches or pains, like, and just like throbbing. Like it was the weirdest thing because all these physical uh, manifestations of my body, basically just saying, dude, this is uncomfortable don't do this move because they want you to sit still and just breathe and not move. And, and so, yeah, I found all this stuff happening internally, like trying to fight against this stillness. And, uh, you know, it was about day six, day six, all of a sudden it was like, okay. Okay. I think I got this. You know, and when I say I got this, I'm like, I wasn't feeling as uncomfortable. I found myself being able to get into that sort of state of just being at ease Mm -hmm. and just fully aware of what was going on right in that moment, where my breath, where my heartbeat, like just, it was just a really euphoric feeling. And it was beautiful. Like, honestly, it was beautiful. I, I, I don't know, Steve, do you golf or Aaron, do you golf at all? No, I don't. Not very much. I've uh, I've done it at sales meetings over the years, like once a year when I work for companies, and I'm I'm horrible at it. And but I do take an extra pair of pants every time I golf. (laughs) Okay, what's the story there? Just in case (laughs) I get a hole in one. (laughs) Boom. (laughs) Sorry, that's classic dad joke. Worst dad joke ever. I'm gonna be quoting you on that one. That's a good one. Um, (laughs) I I. I only bring that because I am not a golfer. I, I golf, but I would not call myself a golfer. But isn't golf interesting okay. because you're out there, you know, playing 18 holes, you swing that club one time, and it's like you played it like a pro for a second. You know, is that one stroke out of my 110. I've had a few of those. It's the best feeling <laughs> ever when you just lay it right up on the green from 150 yards out. And yeah. And you know, and it's like, that's, that was a tiger shot. That was awesome. You know, like in that moment, you just, you have that experience of what it must feel like to just be in that zone. And I think that's the beautiful thing, right? Like it gets us excited enough to say, okay, I can do this. I'm going to come back and try again. And, and I think that was the experience I needed to have in that 10 days was that, that momentary experience of just being at ease with myself and being fully present and aware and being okay Mm -hmm. with everything. I just, sure. It was interesting. It just felt like a veil of stress and overwhelm and just self-criticism and doubt. Like just everything was just like peeled off. And it was that one moment that was like, I get it. I get it. Okay. I understand this. I get why meditation is so powerful. Like there was that internal understanding that was triggered in that moment. But I had to sustain six days of a lot of discomfort. And, and mm-hmm. believe me, I was thinking in my mind, it was like, oh, it would be just a pain in the butt to try to get back. At, the bus isn't here till day 11. I got to figure out how to get back to Bangkok if I want to leave. I'm like, that's too much trouble. I'm just going to stick it out. <laughs> you know? Suck it up. And, it, yeah. it is. That's what was going on in my mind. I was literally on like day five. I was thinking, it's like, oh, okay, if I left right now, how do I get home? No one would even have to know I left. I could just leave. You know, like, It's <laughs> wild what your mind will do yeah, when it starts to fight and push against change. 
right? Because my body was going through a big state of change. My mind was going through a state of change. Like it was learning that it was okay to be in that place and be still and be just with my thoughts. And uh, so anyways, that, that was the experience. You made it through 10 days and then day 11, you're, you're, you're now able to, to they, they have a moment where you share a meal all together after you've lifted that, that, that vow, or I wouldn't call it a vow, but that mm-hmm. promise to be silent. And uh, you get to start to interact with people. And, uh, but here's these people, you know, you've been in their same energy with them for, for literally over a week, mm-hmm. didn't get a chance to talk to them beforehand, you know, nor do you talk to them during, so you can't help this. And this is what I started to realize how much I judge like people mm-hmm. that I don't know. We all do. Yeah. 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 We all do. This experience made me very hyper aware to how much I judge though. Like without even realizing that I'm doing it, you know, our brains are very good at categorizing things, right? We see something, Oh yeah. we try to categorize it. And, uh, <laughs> because all of a sudden I started having conversations with these people I've been around, you know, sharing energy, sharing the space with, for 10 days and experience and starting to talk to them. But I had already formulated whole storylines about who they were. <laughs> sure. And there's this one guy. And I was like, you know, I, and I didn't even know he was Brit. He was a Brit, right? I, and uh, he started talking. I was like, there's this accent. And like in my mind, I was like, oh, yeah, he looks like he's an Eastern European. You know, like just formulating all these ideas in my head of who he might be. And then you just start talking. And you realize everything I had assumed was false. Yeah. Wow. Another learning, right? And uh, yeah. so, so there's a lot of stuff I gained through that. I, I did do a speech on mm-hmm. this at one of my local Toastmasters clubs, and I wrote a couple articles on it. So on my website, there's some resources about the passion. It talks about what to do to prepare yourself and just what is it? And uh, But mm-hmm. I also direct people to where they can get more information. But you know, if you're at all interested, mm-hmm. just do it. it. It doesn't cost you anything. <laughs> you just got to create the space to go and do it. But man, it will be life-changing no matter what. I, I guarantee it. And uh, just stay there. Stay on the pillow. That's all I can tell you. Stay on the pillow. <laughs> it yeah. will be okay. And uh, so, yeah, that's my Vipassana. <laughs> so what tools, Di, can you throw out to people that just basic fundamental tools to become a champion of change? What's like step one? Well, I think there's three questions. And these three questions, uh, I when I think back to all the major changes I've had to endure, and I say endure because you know I I think most of us are naturally just very resistant to change. I just I, I don't see any of us saying, "Yay, change!" You know, oh, career change, yay! You know, like I, I don't think <laughs> exactly. we're kind of like scary. That. It yeah. is scary, right? And there, there's that fear of the unknown, and just yeah, it's just it, it's scary. Um, but when I think back on it. You know, there's there's three questions that I think can help people when they start to feel that it's time to make a change. And the first question is, can I do this? Like, you know, we start to feel this desire to make a change and, and we're very quick to dismiss ourselves, right? Like, at least I was. I was very quick, especially as that morbidly obese teen. You know, I'm like, no, you're too big. You're too unhealthy. Like, oh man, ride a bike. You're crazy. You know, like all these little voices, right? But I had to get to a point where I was like, well, can I do this? Could I actually lose the weight? Could I get healthier? Can I get healthier? And I realized that I didn't have the confidence yet because I didn't have the clarity yet on what to do. I didn't know what to do. I didn't even know what was the first step. So I realized it was an educational question. You know, I need to just learn. I need to learn how to do whatever the different thing is I need to do to start to facilitate 
the change. And for me, like I mentioned, it was, okay, I'm going to go to the library. I'm going to get some books out. I also found some of those friends that were very athletic and I started asking them questions, you know, never asking just people I thought that were quite healthy, just asking a basic question. I, I started to search out information so I could gain clarity, which also led to being more confident. And when I became that, it was easier to start taking action. In my case, it was like getting out for that ride every day. You know, that was my action. Mm-hmm. And, and so we have to get to a yes. Can I do this? Once you have a yes to question one, you go to question two. And the question two is like, if I do this, is it going to work? You know, like, it, it, sure. they're, they're, like, let's be honest, right? Like, it's a big, if we're going to embrace change and be that champion of change, we have to fully embrace it. We have to be like, yes, we're doing this. And free of, of the outcome. Do you know what I mean? Like, if we're so focused on just the outcome, we're going to miss the journey. And that's actually where all the learning and the growth and the evolution happens, you know, is what happens between A and B. So if I do this, is it going to work? And and so you sort of have to trust the process, trust that if you go through the actions, good things will start to happen. Uh, Just a little side note, you know, me as that morbidly obese teen at 14 years old, there was this big, long uh, ride I would go on and most of it was flat. With the exception, and I lived out in the country, rural part of Ontario, just outside of Toronto. Lots of farmland once you got out of town. And so I like that because nobody would have to see me. Occasional farmer going by on his tractor. That was about it, you know? So uh, it was this ugly hill called Concession Hill. And it was disgusting, right? Now, realize this. And you guys are the same. You're West Coasters now, right? You live in the West Coast. Mm-hmm. We have mountain ranges, like real mountains. Like I live in BC. We, we've sure. got the Rockies here. Like that's a mountain. Oh, yeah. But as a little fat 14-year-old, trust me, this looked like a mountain, okay? It was the Rockies to me. And here I am coming up to that mountain on my bike. And I got a third of the way up that first time. And it was like I froze in time from the standpoint. I got to one third and I was like, and I'm pressing down on the pedals, trying to move. And I'm like, I'm not moving. That's it. And for a split second, I just paused. And then, you know, you fall over. And yeah. uh, every aspect of my being at that moment was like you failed turn around, go home. And I knew that that was my default. That's what I wanted to do. But instead, Mm -hmm. because again, I was trying to embrace the change. I was trusting if I just keep doing this, good things are going to happen. I walked the bike to the top and I just continued on my way. Now, I didn't deviate from that route. Every day I went out for the ride, I'd come to that hill. It was about three, three and a half weeks in. I remember coming to that hill head down, just keep pedaling, keep pedaling, keep pedaling. You know, I felt like Thomas the Train, right? Like just, you know, like. I I can't, I can't. I can't, I can't, yes. And so here I am, I get to the top of that hill. And again, I bring my eyes up. I'm like, holy crap, I'm here. I'm at the top. This is awesome. I didn't have to get off. I'm doing it. I'm still riding. Believe me, in that moment, I knew change is not only entirely possible, but I can influence it. You know, I needed that win. We all need a win right? Especially when we're embracing big, big change in our life. And, and so that second question, you know, if I do this, will it work? We got to find the win, get the win real yeah. quick, you know, and, sure. and celebrate the win because we're seeing progress. And yep. uh, so now you have yes and a yes. Third question, is it worth it? Now, when I'm working with That's organizations, teams, and I'm, I'm, I'm doing some coaching and mentorship or you know leadership trainings, that kind of stuff, I can refer to the organization. So it is appropriate. 
However, when I'm talking to everybody, individuals like ourselves here, if we're looking in the mirror and we're asking these questions, I want you to ask, am I worth it? That one's not so easy to answer. That, that, but it is the question that's most important to answer and to get to a yes. And, and I often will, will tell people, like, if you don't feel that way, you can't answer that fully as a yes for yourself right now. Get around people that love you unconditionally. Get around a community that's ready to support you because they will tell you, yes, you are worth it, even if you don't yeah. necessarily believe it yet. And uh, yeah. because you got to get to the three yeses. When you get to the three yeses, oh, game on. You're a champ of change because uh, you can't help it. You're just going to embrace it and trust it. And great things happen when you get out of your own way. I can tell you this because mm-hmm. I've seen it happen over and over and over again in my own life. And you know what? I've got a lot of life left in me and I know it's going to happen again and again and again. So, you know, so that, that's it. <laughs> that's what I got for you. Uh, I love that. I think it's so common for us to make excuses for ourselves all the time. Like you were just talking about, like when it comes to making changes in our life, well, you know, that last question just really got me. Am I worth it? Is it worth it? And then we tend to sabotage ourselves and make excuses for that, which is, is not good. But speaking of just adapting to lifestyle changes and making changes in your life, I listened to a podcast with you where you talked about self-care and that you had to stop saying yes to everything. And I can so relate to that, but I want to know how did setting that boundary impact your life? And, and you know, my wife, again, Christy is a great influence that she, she, she's become a, a guardian of my time. Let's just put it that way. Like I am the guy that's like, Ooh, opportunity. Yes, yes, yes. I'll figure it out after the fact. Right. And, and mm-hmm. that, that whole idea of YOLO, you only live once. Right. And uh, like just all these things, the fear of missing out and all these little acronyms. Right. Yeah. Like I, I, let's just say they influenced me a lot and they still do. And I have to be very aware of creating boundaries and then maintaining mm-hmm. the boundaries. And, and so that, that is a lot of choice and it takes a little bit of, you know, discipline to, to maintain discipline. It. And mm-hmm. what I found really helpful is, is yes, I, I stopped saying yes to everything. I started recognizing what is truly most important. What is in alignment with not only my values of who I am, but also who I believe I'm constantly becoming and evolving into. And then just getting really clear and asking myself, okay, here's an opportunity. Is this in alignment with the life I want to be living, you know, with who I am right now and who I believe I'm becoming, is this going to be uh, a fit for that? Like, is it complimentary? Is this help that? And if I can't get to that, yes. And usually, honestly, if we're truly brutally honest with ourselves, we know if it's a yes or no right away. It, there's no such thing as maybe in this, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe is just, it's a cop out, <laughs> you know, it, it's a yes or a no. And, and um, I, I read a book by Greg, um, he wrote Essentialism, Greg McCown, I think it is. Greg okay. McCown, essentialism, beautiful. He, he's actually, a, I think, Silicon Valley guy and uh, got a background in, in creating a lot of cool companies. And But he wrote this book called Essentialism. And he talks about this, this idea of, of recognizing what's truly essential in your life versus what isn't. And then just getting really clear on saying yes to the essentials and everything else is a no. And when I read that, it really influenced that because I realized that every time I was saying yes to another opportunity, I was tempted to saying no to certain aspects of self-care because I was compromising the time. Oh, I didn't want to take time away from family. Oh, I can't take time away from my career, my company, or, or other adventures that I got going. So, well, maybe I won't, I'll miss a workout today to do that one thing. Or I'll do, So I started to compromise certain values 
that I identified as being very important in helping me become who I am. And I talk about these as my core values, my pillars. And all of a sudden I found myself getting out of alignment. And you're paying a cost for that. Oh, there is a cost, a huge cost, but we don't notice it right away. It starts as one little thing. And then another thing. Cumulative. Compounds. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so I noticed that and I noticed my health slipping, like just bad habits starting to form where they weren't even a consideration before. And, And that's where I had to really reel things in and get really, really clear on what's yes and what's a no and yep. being okay with the no celebrate the no's there's nothing wrong with that you know it is a complete sentence no <laughs> you know like it, it is like you're exactly you don't right. have to explain it and i you know i no. i am a canadian so i i will say no but i am sorry <laughs> you know but that's 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 okay I, I try to get rid of the sorry part but it's 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 in my dna as a canadian but uh regardless you know recognizing that no is a statement and that's perfectly fine well, I know, Di, you have a hard yes. stop in two minutes, so I want to respect that. So a very, very quick question, <laughs> a question that Aaron and I like to ask every one of our guests, because obviously the name of our show is, of course, Better Place Project. So what advice do you have for us and our listeners on how we can help make the world a better place? Oh, I love this. I really do love this. Like, it, it, it's... Uh... You know, I, I know that there's a, it's really easy to go to the climate side of things. And, and I don't want to say it's easy, but it, it, I mean, it's one thing to say it and it's another thing to actually live it, right? Like we were living and got to know some people, especially around the zero waste movement. And that I commend those people. It's so impressive. You know, these people that are literally trying to produce zero waste Seriously. in a year. Yeah, It's like, I, I'm like, uh, yeah, no, that does not, not gonna, I, I just haven't been able to, you know, I, I, it's really challenging, but I do recognize reducing consumption is a big one. And the biggest thing that we found really helped our family unit was we became minimalists. So we, we don't have a lot of stuff. We have basics, necessities, but everything serves a function. And we've cut down on our consumption of just stuff, especially around consumerism, buying things. You know, we, we chase experiences, we invest in experiences, we invest in people, you know, in ourselves. But we're not accumulating stuff. And when we started shifting those habits, I'll just tell you, things just became lighter. We didn't feel like we had as much uh, stresses. Mm-hmm. And uh, so th- those are one of the things that I really want to encourage others. You know, like even if you just look at your own closet, look at your storage unit. Like, do you have stuff overflowing? Why? Why do you need all that? Mm-hmm. You know, like, and, and I'm, trust me, I, I, there's some articles I've written where I started giving away my stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was really yeah. hard. Okay. Like, it was my, it affected me. My wife and my girls had no problem, but I had 60 pairs of shoes. 60 yeah, pairs. 60. Like, I'm embarrassed. Like, pairs. Right. That's 120 shoes. But it can be cleansed with three after women. you do it. Because no, I went it, through it as well. It was, but I have three women. So freeing. I'm going to send you guys the photo. My wife took a photo nice. of all my shoes I was giving away. Please. And then my girl's <laughs> shoes, all the shoes they owned, my pile was twice as big. Guys, <laughs> uh, <laughs> a like, diva. But. <laughs> Oh, dude, totally. And I, but I've realized that I, 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 and I feel that the world, like we, we do spend, we consume a lot. Right. And, and so it's sort of in alignment with the, the climate side, but it's really looking at the, the family unit mm-hmm. looking like, I'm not, I know I can look at the whole world, but I, I know if everybody looks at their own little unit, makes those little adaptations in their own little unit, that's how we change the world. Right. If everyone's just owning what they're mm-hmm. doing. And uh, that that true self accountability, right? And uh, so that's what we're actively always trying to do. You know, we try to recycle like uh, the basic stuff, you yep. know. And um, mm-hmm. but yeah. So, anyways, that's maybe it's not. Uh, no, that's awesome. At Great all, advice. But, uh, hey, we all need to do our I part. Love that. One thing we 
One thing we haven't talked about is your whole life fitness manifesto. People can go learn more about that at www.joinwlfm.com and we'll put that uh, URL in the episode notes. And of course, you can go to Dai's website as well to diemanuel.com. That's D-A-I-M-A-N-U-E-L.com. Dai, you've been amazing. Uh, we could talk to Thank you for you. hours, but I know you got to go. We'll have you back again on another season. So really, thank you so much. We love it. We love yes. it. And uh, thank you both. And and thank you for thank just being you. wonderful role models for what's possible. I, I love this, this father-daughter combo. Um, there's an organization called Fathering Together based out of the States. And uh, it's a global organization I'd like to introduce you to because they also Please. have the largest Facebook group, Dads with Daughters. No way. And Yeah. Super oh, cool. A bunch yeah. of podcasters in there. Great organization. Very I was cool. on their board. Um, I, I'd like to mm. make some introductions because I think what you guys are doing is phenomenal. And, love uh, so anyways, That's I just so want to cool. say thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being on. Thank you, Di. Really thank appreciate you. you coming on the show. Take care, Di. Okay. Bye-bye now. I'll see you two later. Okay. Bye-bye. Special thanks to our guest, Di Manuel. To learn more about him and the work he is doing, you can visit diemanuel.com. Thanks to our producer, Noah Existe, editor, Joe Tompoco. Our music was written and performed by Nadie Importante. Thank you so much for listening. If this podcast brightened your day in any way, please subscribe and leave us a review. If you have any suggestions for a guest or have any suggestions on how we can improve our show, please send us an email to betterplaceprojectpodcast at gmail.com. Look for small ways to be kind to others this week, and that will help make the world a better place. Make the world a better place. Make the world a better place. Make the world.